Well, USC right now, without a meteorite still, is kind of the Anakin Skywalker of the Pac-12. But why? Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. We've got Mark Culkin here of Locked On USC Trojans, and I want to hop right into it, Mark, because I'm curious as to your your thoughts on my uh, my Star Wars-inspired take here. Anakin Skywalker in the Star Wars trilogy, for those of you who did not know, he becomes Darth Vader. Spoiler alert, he becomes Darth Vader after being the chosen one. And Obi-Wan says to him after defeating him on uh, in, in battle at Mustafar, a volcanic planet, and he's watching his friend burn, he says, you were the chosen one. It was said you would destroy the Sith, not join them bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. So, Mark, I just want to ask you, USC, when they hired Lincoln Riley, West Coast football was back. You had the biggest brand out here. You had Los Angeles. It was going to be humming. And then they decided to go to the Big Ten. Why do you think fundamentally, as someone who's been around USC for a long time, they ultimately decided that the Big Ten was the best place for them? There needed to be a shift in the universe. Um, a shift in the balance. We look. USC had been the you know the leader uh, of the West Coast of West Coast football for for a long long time, and it, it reached its ceiling. And you know in today's era in today's world of college football, it's run by money. And if you don't have a lot of it, it's going to be hard to compete. So. For whatever reason, even with the the clout and the cachet that USC carried, it still wasn't it still wasn't able to compete with the rest of the universe uh, in college football. So they said, you know what, we're going to join the dark side and we're going to follow the money, and eventually everything will balance itself out. You know, it, we're going through a change right now, and you know, programs that are going to be not joining USC's force in the big conference. Um, eventually, uh, things will settle down, and they'll they'll find their way. But um, for for right now, it's 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 turbulent. But USC had to do what they had to do. So I I, I want to push back on that notion slightly because do you feel like you know from from USC's peak? Because the easy answer to the question that that I pose is, of course, whether well, going there for the money. And look, whether you're talking academic dollars or athletic dollars, yeah, that that's certainly a a motivating factor here but if you're talking about it from an athletic competitive standpoint mark Mm -hmm. from the time usc last appeared in the national championship game against texas last won one the year prior they of course won two leading into that that all-time showdown at at the rose bowl that i'm sure you'd rather forget but you know for someone like me uh, that was just an awesome college football game uh and and one of my favorite games ever to watch because it was just uh, there was so much to it but it's also why i'm bummed that usc is leaving the conference i don't particularly care for that but from from then until now usc has not been back 
to that peak level, right? They've shown glimpses. You know, there was the Rose Bowl win with Sam Darnold. There was this past season with Caleb Williams. We'll see what this season ultimately entails. But I don't feel like what has kept USC from dominating college football the way they once did has ever been money, has it? it well, in the past, it wasn't because it was all everything was always done under the table. I mean, allegedly, USC was paying Reggie Bush, you know, to get in trouble. But we both know uh, that wasn't the case. Today, you have to, you know, compete with paying players making money above the table legally. So again, it's just a different dynamic. Um, as far as the competitiveness, uh, you know, from the athletic standpoint, again, it it's it's a domino effect. USC knows that. Okay, now they're joining the big conference. Uh, more eyeballs players recruits want to play you know they, they want to play against the best i know for a fact when usc is recruiting in southern california there are certain programs uh, that will steer players not just away from usc but away from pac-12 teams in general and say hey no you need to go play in the sec you need to go play in the big or in the big 12 conference where it's more competitive so you know there's that dynamic as well um and, and that's just it, it, i think it's it you know, when you have that onion and you start peeling back the layers, there's just a lot to it. And obviously money is going to be the, the first few layers you keep unraveling, but there's a lot attached to that. Yeah. So do, do you feel at all, though, that, they, they, you know, from an athletic standpoint, it's not totally weighing the, the, the comparison of being a fish in a bigger pond versus a big fish in, in a small pond? Because especially now, with the 12 team college football playoff expansion coming, do you see USC having a tougher time getting to that national championship level in, in the big 10? No, no. And I, and I, I've, I've talked about this before. Uh, when you're into the 12 team playoff era teams, you're going to have teams in there that are going to have two and possibly three losses. On you'll them. have three, you'll have three lost teams in there. It's part of the reason I lament the 12 team playoff so much. I, I understand where you're coming from. But but nevertheless, if those three losses on your resume are Ohio State, LSU, and Notre Dame, but you've beaten Michigan and you know pick four more top ten teams, you know that's what you're. That's going to be the shift now. You're talking about a stronger strength of schedule, and that's what it's really supposed to be looked on. It's not. You shouldn't be looking at well, they have three losses. It's okay to lose. But, you know, it's not okay to lose to, you know, Appy State at home. No offense to Appalachian State, but if you're Texas A&M or Michigan, you're not supposed to lose to Appalachian State at home. Right. It's okay. It's, well, again, it's acceptable to lose at home to a Notre Dame, to an Ohio State, to an Alabama. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I see it. And I don't think that, you, you know, looking at teams and just – assessing them based on their record has ever been a great way to, to, to look at college football. I think it's the way a lot of people have done it. Well, here, let me just use this as an example. Go back to 2008, and I know we're, we're comparing eras, but USC had one loss on their record. They had arguably the greatest defense college football had ever seen, and they lost one game that year on the road in overtime in the Pac-12. They ended up watching the national championship game from their couch. Well, 
Okay, so 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 that so I see the point you're making. And by the way, I'm in favor of the 14 playoff for that very reason, right? 14 playoff, you wouldn't have Georgia win it the first time because that loss to Alabama would have been superseded in the SEC championship game. It could it could have knocked them out. But my 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 issue with the 12 team play, I think 12 is just too many. I think I don't think you should have gone beyond eight. Look, let's just let, let's just cut right to the chase. Programs like Oregon are gonna be they're gonna benefit from this. So I would probably dial back your 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 your, your violin playing. <laughs> well, okay, that, that that's an interesting conversation that that, that I want to uh, get into. But I, I also want to tell everybody about Built Bars because, as Mark knows, they are a delicious snack. And if you want a delicious snack without all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. Those being built. You've got to try them. They're healthy. They taste amazing. They taste like candy bar because they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They've got a bunch of amazing flavors, churro, peanut butter, brownie, cookies, and cream. I'm a mint brownie guy myself. Personally, you can get yours at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Wow. You can get your specialty flavors at Built dot com go get your next box you can get to sam's club running grab a 13 bar box with hit flavors brownie batter puff and churro puff you can thank me later they've got a chewy marshmallow on the inside still covered in 100 real chocolate loaded with protein low in calories and sugar okay just just, just real quick on the college football play up front why do you think a program like Oregon or or Washington, and we're going to talk about a, a couple other Pac-12 programs here in a second, the media rights space, why do you think they are poised to benefit from a 12-team playoff? Because if you, you know that you're going to have, you, you have to fill in slots, you know, seven through, through 12. And the Pac-12 is still going to be considered a, power five conference if oregon has one loss or two just losses, for those of you listening on podcast mark put it up air quotes around power five <laughs> <laughs> i'm just playing the role of anakin here um, <laughs> and playing it well <laughs> so look as long as their, their their schedule is fine you know they're not plugging in a, an eastern washington to go with you know a portland state with one major out-of-conference game, it's okay to lose. Like I said, it's okay to lose a couple of games a season. And if you're losing, and again, if you're losing to Washington and your major out-of-conference game, and you're 10-2, and two, and you win your, your conference championship game, you go with the 11-2 season, of course you deserve to be in the playoffs. Uh, but see, that's what's always made college football unique but, but and see, special, that it's been yeah. so selective. But it's changing. Yeah, I don't um, like that. Well, <laughs> you really just sound like my old Jewish grandfather. But you know what? That's okay. Hey, my a couple of my friends from college call me grandpa for a reason. I go to bed early. I've been having elbow problems. I don't like chains. There's whole whole litany of things there. But anyway, so now that we've established that Anakin Skywalker or that USC is Anakin Skywalker, also known as you know one of the greatest villains in uh, in in cinematic history. They've left the Pac-12 in a precarious spot, Mark. And I want your thoughts on the media deal because Pac-12 doesn't have one yet. They keep kicking the can down the road. Are you as a USC fan just kind of watching from the side and going, boy, this is justifying everything that I said about why going to the Big Ten was great? Is it just like sit back, grab a margarita, put your feet up and say, 
you know, Jerry Seinfeld style with that famous gif. Huh? That's a shame. <laughs> you know, I, there's times where I feel like Jerry Seinfeld, and there's other times where I open up my front door, I pick up the newspaper, and I look, look at my neighbor, and I go, man, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I shut the door really fast. <laughs> What what do you make of where the Pac-12 is at? You know, a lot of people have uh, a lot of people have varying opinions on where the meteorites negotiations could go, what sort of value they could get. You know, obviously USC and UCLA took out you know most of the Los Angeles market there, at least for having schools in that actual footprint. What what do you make of of what sort of deal you feel like the Pac-12 should be able to get? Well, I I I, I read and see the same stuff you see on you know in the news online and it, it seems to be that their ceiling's going to be around 30 32 million um i don't know is san diego state gonna you know break you guys through that ceiling are you gonna be able to match the the big 12 media deal that you know they're so proud of um like i said the san diego state throwing second place parades something that you want to associate yourself with is, is that going to bring more eyeballs? Because remember, San Diego State, they're a basketball school, sort of, and people really don't tune into your conference for basketball. They do, but you better have a really strong football program associated with it. Right. I don't know if the Pac-12, again, that's the problem and why USC and they took UCLA, UCLA along with them you get the TV market, you get the eyeballs, but you're taking the Pac-12's football brand. You know, we everybody's talking about brand. When you talk about West Coast football, the first thing you think about, Cardinal Gold. Probably, yeah. And then I, I think, you know, from a television standpoint, Oregon is also in there as the number two. And it's huge that they're on board, at least at this point in time. At least that's 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 kind of how it seems. But a question came in from one of you. And as a reminder, you can always get in the mailbag, YouTube comments, Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. Uh, Victor Kaiser raised an interesting point. He said, where do Cal and Stanford stand on all of this? I haven't heard anything about them and, and this is why we, one of the reasons i wanted to bring you on mark because you you know usc and uh or rather you know cal and stanford probably even better than i do even though i've you know been following them as as, as a sports fan my my entire life uh, we'll just say you've, you've been around a few more years than than i have not implying anything there of course but <laughs> stanford and cal you know all of these yes stroke the long majestic beard gandalf you can do it so what do you make of, of kind of where Stanford and Cal do fit into all this sort of stuff? You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, Cal is actually USC's oldest rival. They played them more than any other program in the conference. Uh, USC, Stanford, they're the two private universities. That was always their connection. Cal just doesn't even, they don't even get support from their own alumni and fan base. Um, not recently. They used to. They used to, and that's and that's the problem, though. They never, they didn't fill in when when the the used to people were around and giving financial donations. When those people moved on, they didn't have anybody filling in the gap. And now it's it's there. It's just a there's just apathy that surrounds the entire sports program. 
Um, and Stanford is always going to be, you know, Stanford is, hey, if we're great at, you know, the Olympic sports and we are competitive in the revenue sports, we're Stanford. That's great. Yeah. We got everything else to fall back on. So USC, I, 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 I don't think they really care. When you talk to the elitists, the, the, the academics, they're always going to say, hey, you know, we're all about research and all this kind of stuff, yada, endowments. We are, we're, we've passed that era. And I wish there was a way to kind of bring it along, but. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think they've gotten out of, you know, like are you talking about presidents have, have bypassed the research and endowment era. Cause I think that was now a look factor. At schools, look at the balance of power that's going to be remaining in the PAC 10 and the schools they're considering. There was a time where you had to be considered one of those top research schools. And when they started bringing the Colorado and Utah and the Arizona schools before them, it, it's been shipped. It's already been shipped away a little bit. And at now it's at the point where, you know what, what makes us money? And that's what college and universities are all about, even at the academic level. I mean, USC charges a lot of money to go there. Yeah, it's not cheap. No. And it's getting ex more expensive every single year. And it's not just them. It's every college across the country. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you there. I, I think that the, the president's interests have become kind of multifaceted. You know, I, I've talked about before a, a lot about, you know, research dollars and, you know, money and academic standing and all that sort of stuff. And one thing, and, and I'm, I'm curious as to your, your thoughts on this, um, and I've got another question about Stanford and California as well. USC and UCLA are, you know, going to bring a lot to the Big Ten Conference athletically, media market wise. But the other thing, too, is those are prestigious academic schools. UCLA is, I believe, the most applied to public school in the country. They do oodles and oodles of research dollars. USC does, I, I believe, a pretty good amount. They're a private school. They've got, you know, you know, that sort of academic reputation. Everyone always gets caught up in the sports. But what, what's been your experience or, or kind of just your thoughts on where the academics do fit into that conversation? Oh, it'll be interesting to watch um, to see how they blend it. You know, you're going to have you're going to have you know, the student athletes on these extended trips. Um, I know USC recently opened up a, a satellite campus in Washington D.C. Uh, it had nothing to do with you know them joining the big, but it'll be interesting to see how the two blend. You know, as far as USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, you know, I, I think we spoke about this in the past. I would love to see on a rotational basis to keep those four schools playing each other annually somehow. And um, again, to incorporate, you know, the the schools USC is leaving behind in an out-of-conference basis. But as far as how the academics, I don't know. That's a, that's a great unknown. You know, will they have, will they ask certain programs to stay away from campus for, you know, maybe over a week at a time, I, I guess is one way to, to look at it. I don't know where else. What, 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 what do you, what do you mean by like stay away from the, well, you know, as a, if you know how USC, you know how the PAC 12 works in, in conference games. Yeah. Well, Thursday, Saturday, you know, sometimes you'll have. Yeah. 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 For basketball it does that. Right. Well, if you're going to go to, let's say USC is, or UCLA is on the road, you know, typically they're probably going to be traveling together for these types of things to Indiana. 
you, you, you're going to have the opportunity now to play Indiana one day, Purdue the next in-conference game. Do you stay out there and say, all right, well, you've got Illinois Northwestern the following weekend. And then zip back home. Oh, on the travel front. Okay, I see what I see what you're saying. I was trying to connect the dots there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I think it's an interesting logistical question. One, I'm glad I don't have to try and figure out because it sounds complex. I mean, there's so many sports at these schools. You threw the academics on. Like, I don't know where you're going with it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, no, no, I, I I get you there. So I want to bring it back to Stanford and Cal for 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 just a moment because, you know, academically, Mark Stanford and Cal perfect fits in the Big Ten. They're big research universities. They've got elite academic reputation there. You know, academically, they are now the torch-bearing institutions in the Pac-12. Washington is now probably the clear uh, at number three, whereas before you would have put the L.A. schools somewhere in, in that mix. But I don't get the sense. I, I mean, the, the the question that we got from, from Victor is correct, that Stanford and Cal have been just super quiet. I mean, we haven't heard anything from them at, at all like i i don't get the sense that they have a burning desire necessarily to go to the big 10 do you well I, that just goes back to my opening comment about this on this on this topic if cal's fans and alumni don't care that's probably where the people in power at cal and stanford are getting their you know taking their cue if they're not getting any you know pushback why should they I don't know how else to look at it. Yeah, and I, and I don't feel like they. Well, but but I just wonder because you know we we've talked about the Bay Area schools. If if they ever wanted to, you know, take athletics super duper seriously, be all in, they could become really vital members of the pack going forward. Mm-hmm. But that's that would be you know several years and several different coaching hires away. Though Mark Madsen at Cal is making some noise and on the basketball front in in, in a good way. Uh, that's that's a topic for another day. But Fardos, right, Amac, Jalen Cohn, those, those schools are swapping uh, coaches left and right. With- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Troy Taylor's the Cal grad. He's the Stanford football coach. Mark Madsen, the Stanford grad. He's the Cal basketball coach. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Like, could you imagine having a UCLA grad as USC's head coach and a USC grad as the UCLA basketball coach? <laughs> yeah, Mark's not Mark's not uh, not feeling that that sort of stuff, but. I, I just wonder, you know, with, with where Stanford and Cal sit in the academic community, if they look at the Big Ten and say, oh, that's super alluring. Yeah, we would love to go because, you know, other schools, Oregon and Washington, for instance, I think Washington would have closer to a 60-40 athletic academic desire to be in the Big Ten. But for Oregon, it would be like 90-10, right? I'm like, I just, like I said, I don't think it's a it's a huge factor right now. This is really... It's a business, and the universities know that they're going to get their donations on the academic side from from the academics. If you want to generate more money for your university, athletics is a great way to do it, and if people are willing to pay for it through the, from the TV networks, take their money. It can be. It can also serve kind of as de facto marketing for your school. You know, you hear those stats all the time, like when – you know, look at enrollment numbers at Alabama since Nick Saban took over. Mm-hmm. He's worth even more than he gets in his contract because their out-of-state enrollment skyrockets. That's worth more money, all, all, all that sort of stuff. So let, let's bring this back to football for just a moment, you know, just for fun. But um, USC made a, what I thought was a curious hire of, of sorts. 
their their one time but also non time offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury is now going to be their their quarterbacks coach on on, on staff there. What 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 exact what did, what did you make of that hire? Because I looked at it and just went, I I felt like that relationship was you know fissure that'd be like the Colts hiring Josh McDaniels as their offensive coordinator you know it's like he turned you down he led you along and led made you think he was going to be there for you and then he bailed what why do you think USC did this believe it or not this is something Lincoln he actually talked about this just the other day this is something that's been in the works for over a month I guess their their paths crossed and you know the, Lincoln kind of floated the idea out there and you know, you, you talked about Nick Saban just a moment ago. I think this is Lincoln Riley dipping his toe in that I'm going to be Nick Saban, re, you know, uh, help a coach rec reclamation project type of thing where Nick brings in somebody who maybe mm -hmm. didn't have a good time at his previous job, helps them rebuild it, and sends them on their way to fall forward. You know, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. Um Seriously, though, when you can bring in somebody like a Cliff Kingsbury, who can, you know, maybe take some of the take some of the food off of Lincoln's plate, so he can focus on other areas of the team, and you know, Cliff knows how to work with quarterbacks and put together an offensive game plan. It's a positive. I mean, it's going to allow Lincoln to now literally focus on other details of the team. Remember, USC—they were pretty close to making the playoffs last year. Cliff Kingsbury isn't a defensive guy. He's not a special teams guy. But he's the big name that, you know, Lincoln brought in, overshadowing the fact that he brought in a defensive analyst just a couple weeks ago, Greg Brown, who's got oodles of experience at every level of football, including the NFL. So he's starting to, you know, fill in those holes, so to speak, in the wall. He's got the spackle out, toothpaste, whatever. He's filling those little holes. And now he's, you know, is he putting lipstick on a pig? We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> but it's, a, it's he's making the right moves. Yeah. Last thing for, for today. Do you feel like th this dramatically changes USC's outlook in, in 2023 in a major way? Because it does feel like a short-term kind of move, right? Like you, you brought up Saban bringing in the coaches who didn't work elsewhere. They were never there for a very long time. Bill O'Brien, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, just keep going down the list there this is two years maximum cliff kingsbury at, at at usc yeah that's why i said maximum mark is flashing the one here for those of you listening on podcasts like that's probably what it feels like is it just kind of a let let's just see what happens there's no downside here yeah there really isn't any downside and if you if you're looking to the future even if he's only here for a year two years max um it's not just Caleb Williams and USC this season who benefits. Miller Moss gets to work with him for at least a year. Mm, uh, Nelson gets to work with him for at least a year. That's just more knowledge imparted. So it, it, there really isn't any negatives here. Maybe there's one out there. Pointed out to me, USC's probably not paying a whole lot of money for him. Pretty sure Arizona's picking up the biggest, you know, big part of the tab. Yeah, well, I don't think Cliff needs money right now. Exactly. I mean, you get you get you get bought out in the NFL. I mean, that's 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 a lucrative business right there. Coaching, <laughs> being bought out as a coach, I too would love to get fired from a Power Five college football head coaching position one day. Um, not actually because it's probably not very fun to you know get that sort of feeling, but on the plus side, you are 
a-okay financially yeah it was a nice parachute soft yeah yeah it uh most most definitely is mark colkins the host of locked on usc monday through friday on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts good to talk to you mark yeah spencer anytime my man appreciate everyone listening i will see you next time and until then have a wonderful rest of your day